We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello and welcome to the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm Gabe Ibrahim, and I am here talking to Kevin Pelton, ESPN senior writer, about WNBA free agency, specifically the Seattle Storm. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but there was some news that one of the Storm players is coming back. What? And I think I think we got to talk about it. So, Kevin, uh, let's just get right into it. Sue Bird's coming back. What was your first reaction to the news? Well, excitement, obviously. I mean, you know, I, I was going to be particularly bummed. The playoff game last year against Phoenix, it happened to be the day after a friend got married on the East Coast. Oh. So I had to watch that, uh, you know, on on TV in my hotel room. It was not the experience that I wanted for Sue Bird's final game. Like I was there for her very first game back in 2002, uh, basically covered the storm her entire career. So to miss that would have been a huge bummer. And also to have it, frankly, be at Angel of the Rins Arena in Everett, which has been the Storm's temporary home most mm-hmm. of the, the two of the last three seasons, uh, that also wouldn't have been quite fitting. Like it should be in Seattle proper, right. in Climate Pledge Arena. And especially after she was there for the Kraken's opening game uh, and saw all the excitement around that and how great the building is, you know, even though she after the season was uncertain at that point i was ex- i was expecting that she probably would be back but it's definitely great to have it official yeah no i, I remember you I, I think you tweeted about it about her being in the kraken arena and it, it kind of feeling like um she was coming back i i, I kind of felt that she was going to come back too just because she has so much left in the tank and that stadium push did the play the push to play in the new stadium would be huge for her um so in terms of what this means for the storm, what we saw in the mock free agency, uh, which you can go listen to on end of your podcast feed or on YouTube, which you should be subscribed to, uh, it kind of, Sue Bird's return kind of hit the first domino of the Seattle Storm mega free agency where they got Angel McCautry, Tina Charles, brought back Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart. Oh, don't, forget, don't forget Raquana Williams. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah, just just Raquana Williams, the borderline all defensive selection. Is that at all reasonable or feasible, or do you think we just got too excited in the mock? We, well, we, I mean, I guess the two of us, yeah. since I was the one making the offers and you were accepting them as the player agent. I guess that is a, a fair we in that standpoint. I, I don't think that, let's not put that out there as an expectation okay. for the Storm, that they're going to end up with that many players. I mean, number one, I think in reality is a big difference from the mock offseason. Someone's going to take Atlanta's money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was one thing that kind of cooled the market and made it easier for the Storm. The other aspect of it is, they are uniquely well positioned going into this year's free agency. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people are like, wow, you know, what a great job by Kevin. It's a mock GM. And it's like, I, I like that wasn't even my plan. I, yeah. it just sort of happened that all those players were out there and at prices that made them all available. Once you were willing to move on with the players from several of the players with the unprotected contracts on the roster. I, I don't think, like, if, if they get one of Tina Charles and Angel McCautry, I think that's an outstanding addition. To get both of them in Raquana Williams is not realistic. Yeah, no, that, I would say, well, who knows, right? It, the, the championship pool of Seattle is just so great. That's what I felt as the agent. I was like, yeah, we could go get money in Atlanta, but the money difference isn't going to be that huge if you go to Seattle because, like you said, they have $986,000 worth of cap space for this year. So it's, and they, that can go up to if they release a few players. So they have gobs and gobs of cap space. The first thing that's going to happen, obviously, is the core decision, which we should be expecting. It's the 13th. We should be expecting that by tomorrow as to who Seattle is going to core between Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd. Although I think my expectation at this point is that those two players are coming back. That's what I've heard is the expectation around the league, first off. And just it makes sense. I don't think. All right, I'll ask you as a question. Do you think Sue would come back without knowing if both Jewel and Stewie were coming back? I don't think that her decision was necessarily contingent on that, mm-hmm. but I do. Th- I think their decisions may be partially contingent right. on Sue being there because that's part of the, the championship window and the expectations for this team is having her at point guard because it's a question mark after her retirement. Uh, I yeah, I mean, Stewie, I don't think has ever been much of a question mark to okay. me, which is partially why, and we had these conversations before the mock offseason as I was deciding yeah. who to core in that exercise. In reality, I think they're more likely to core Jewel Lloyd mm-hmm. because of the fact that Brianna Stewart, like, she's got a home here. You know, she's had tremendous success here playing with Sue, all those reasons, at the very least for 2022, I don't see any team that can offer a better combination. Now, we've been surprised in WNBA offseason in the past, but not to not to that degree of a team that's been that successful breaking up and a, a player that's been that happy in mm-hmm. their role. I think Jewel Lloyd's comments at the end of the season were a little more noncommittal about whether she was going to be back. I mean, Brianna Stewart was talking about, I'm excited for the right. opening of Climate Pledge Arena. Like she sounded committed, even if she wasn't able to specifically say that she wasn't. She wasn't able to sign an extension. Neither of them were just because of basically quirks of the CBA. Right. In Stewie's case, she couldn't have gotten the Supermax. And in Jewel's case, it wouldn't have been, she couldn't have gotten the Supermax, but she couldn't even have gotten more than like, I think, a, I forget what the percentage is, but a small raise off mm. her pre-current CBA contract, which was massively underpaying her last season. So the fact that they didn't sign extensions doesn't necessarily mean anything. Lloyd, I think people can see where maybe the appeal of being the player on another right. team would be interesting to her or going back 
you know, obviously home is in Chicago in the Midwest. The the sky winning the championship, maybe Chicago, <laughs> if that was an option, it's probably not an option anymore as they probably keep it together after the Kalia Copper uh, core designation. But I, I still think at the end of the day, again, you're not going to get many better situations than Seattle and playing with, in this case, Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird and trying to win a third championship. I will say this for Jewel Lloyd, however, on our the Twitter sleuthing that uh, is happening is fantastic. She There was a video of her, uh, it was like a pickup game video, yeah. and she's wearing totally. a Chicago flag shirt. Okay, so that's that's hint number one. Then Sky Show Shy sent me a tweet of her buying a house. He says it's in Chicago. I'll, I cannot confirm whether she has a house in Chicago now or not, but those are the things I saw on Twitter. But I'm with, I, I think the, the fact that Chicago won the championship is coring, uh, is coring Kalia Copper, as I, the news was reported today. That's not yet official, but it's looking like they're coming back. So Jewel probably doesn't have that option on the table, and that may be the option she wanted. I don't know. I don't know. Atlanta seems interesting in my mind as well to, for her. But, yeah, it, it is a really tough sell to say, hey, we know you won – all those championships, all those accolades, you have all those memories in Seattle. Why don't you leave? Um, I think it's a really tough thing to sell, especially with Sue coming back. Now, is there a possibility for Ehler? Do you see it likely as um, Jewel taking a one-year deal or Stewie taking a one-year deal? Because in the mock-off season, Jewel took a four-year deal because that, those were that was the best option available. But do you see either of them kind of sticking hey, to this year and then we'll figure out what happens after that? Yeah, it's tougher to say because it's really more about what they want and the experience that they're playing. Now, one thing, by the way, Super has never said this is going to be my last <laughs> season. It would be surprising if she was still around yeah. in 2023, but we can't rule it out. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, if that's a big part of their decision, then, you know, maybe a one-year deal would make sense. But if it's more about just, you know, the organization, the 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 respect for Noel Quinn as a, a head coach who both of them played with and, you know, now have experience with her as their assistant coach and head coach, then that maybe makes you more comfortable signing, locking into the longer deal. Yeah, no, and I think, um, <laughs> I don't know, Sue, Sue did have the documentary clip today so it's like i'm guessing if you do this and then you come back for another year that's a little bit uh brett farvey i'd say in the entering the brett Favre category of pump faking the retirement um well i i do uh assuming this is sue's last year though i i think there's a possibility that they all come back for one year because i don't i don't know this roster outside of those three players and it should be stated those three players, when they're together, they win the championship. When those three players are healthy and they are playing together, they win the championship. It's it's the Storm's version of the Celtics starting lineup never lost when they were fully healthy. Yeah, it's <laughs> exact story. Uh, but with this, with the rest of the back end roster, because when they win those championships, there's Natasha Howard and Alicia Clark there. Now it's kind of more in flux, especially heading into 2023 when the only player that could be under contract at the moment is Makia Herbert-Harrigan. I'm not sure this roster really gives you that confidence going forward, but it is, am I overthinking this? Is Sue Bird, Jewel Lloyd, and Brianna Stewart enough to contend for a title at least next year and then Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart into the future? 
I mean, I think anytime that you have Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd, both all WNBA first team picks last year, yeah, you're going to at the very least be in the mix. And we did see, you know, two years ago, granting that the the starting lineup was so much deeper with Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard, as you mentioned, you know, we did see the storm stay afloat with that Sue Bird for an extended mm-hmm. stretch of the regular season in 2020. And, and even going back to 2019, when Jewel Lloyd and Sue Bird are, Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird are both out of the lineup the entire season, storm still make the playoffs, win a playoff game. Like there's an infrastructure here that I think is pretty capable, even with the departure of Alicia Clark and, and Natasha Howard. And if you look to the future, the key player then I think becomes as Ezie Magbagor. Mm-hmm. And as well as Mercedes Russell played at center last year, I still think Ezie Magbagor is the future of the storm at that position sure. next to Brianna Stewart. And, you know, who knows what her potential is given the development we've seen over the last couple of years and the fact that she's playing this much larger role in Australia. And she's going to, so she's on her last year of the rookie deal. Yep. And then the following year she'll be, oh, she'll be reserved, right? She missed the, she missed her first year. I think she would still be restricted. Richard Cohen would know better than me, but also eligible for an extension this year. So that's right. that's something they could take care of during training camp. We have her as reserved on our salary sheet. So I'm guessing, I mean, R- Richard is, in, spoiler, Richard's in charge of most of the salary sheet designation. So I'm pretty sure she is reserved because she, she missed a year. So that doesn't yeah, count. Three years of experience, yeah. Right. So that's a big deal her being reserved rather than restricted because then that allows them a little bit more flexibility heading into 2023 with her as a free agent. Cause I'm with you. I think she is, if she becomes a player at Natasha Howard's level, at least early in her Seattle time, I think getting to that MVP level where Natasha Howard's at, I believe in 2018 is not, we, she doesn't even need to get there. She just needs to be, as this sort of defensive stall where someone can roll to the basket, someone can stand in dunker spot and finish plays. And I think she's already there. And I think she's going to get better, like you're saying. So then, then it becomes a question, though, of how much are you spending on Mercedes Russell? Like, how, how do you fill out this roster? They have those three big re- restricted free agents with Jordan Canada, Mercedes Russell, and Stephanie Talbot. If we're assuming Sue, Stewie, and Jewel are coming back, how, would you, how do you approach those three restricteds? Yeah, I think it probably depends on how the market falls for each of them. I didn't, that, you know, going into the mock off season, my expectation was that Jordan Canada was maybe the least likely for me to right. retain. But then the the bidding, I, I was able to land Tina Charles right away was the first factor. Mm-hmm. And you've got now that's that front court trio of Stewie, Tina Charles, as you make you're pretty well covered there. Right. Mercedes Russell is no longer as much of a need. And then the bidding for her as restricted free agent got pretty frenzied. And she ended up I think, making as much in the first year of her deal as Tina Charles did, which yes. was quite surprising. And a commitment like that, when you've got as you developing does seem a little difficult to justify. And it's sort of similar to last year where it's tough to know how much of this was strategic or how much the storm wanted to bring everyone out back and the players just wanted to go elsewhere. But the fact that they did sign and trade Natasha Howard didn't re-sign Alicia Clark. It's what set them up for this off season mm. where they don't have those, you know, long-term salary commitments and it allows them to go out there and be players. Now that this is to me, the first mature year of free agency. Cause the last couple of years you had all this cap space because players like Jewel Lloyd, Sylvia Fowles, et cetera, were still on their old CBA deals. Mm-hmm. And yet there was this new, much, much larger salary cap. Well, now all of those players have cycled out everybody's on the new deals and some of these bigger contracts that got signed in the exuberance of 2020 and 2021 are no longer looking as good now that there's less money to spend on this year's free agents. 
and that definitely benefits the storm except for the fact that they do have their three big free agents and right assuming I mean, they get those back right and how and how much of this is also just predicated on super taking less that's what i did in the mock-off season because yep. she's done that in the past and i i don't think it's an unreasonable expect expectation to have her do that again but I don't know. I mean, if she doesn't, it, it, how much less is she willing to take and how much less does she need to take in order to facilitate a Tina Charles, Nadrim Khatri, or Quana Williams? Yeah, and that's a question that we never even got to last offseason. So there was the report from my ESPN colleague, Michelle Vopel, on mm -hmm. I think the opening day of free agency that she wasn't going to sign until the end to see whether they needed her to take a pay cut because of the fact that they had this Howard sign and trade and the, the Clark's departure, it didn't end up necessary. She just took the max and they were still fine with respect to the salary cap. We're even able to keep 13 players at the start of the season with a couple cycling through short-term suspension uh, until, you know, they kind of dealt with uh, Katie Lou Samuelson playing in the three by three qualifiers and, was it Piffany Prince playing in the uh, Euro Cup? I think or Euro Basket, I should say. Yeah, it yeah, I think she missed a, couple, a few yeah. games there. No, yeah. No. So they had tons. They had tons of cap space last year. Was my point. This year it probably will be a bit tighter. Yeah, and uh, and it'll again be interesting to see how they how they fill out that that back end. Uh, um, I do want to. I think getting back to those restricteds, like you said, Mercedes yeah. probably becomes less of a a sticking point, especially if someone like Tina Charles comes around. That how much do you think Jordan Canada is a is a part of this team's future? Because I've had my qualms about if she can step into that super role, if she's a starting point guard on, on a championship level team. And I think I would say no, but I, I think there's other people who would say yes. So is, is that just something that the team is going to have to wait and see, or, or do they have? I mean, I, I just don't know how important she is to their future plans. Yeah, I, I think we'll find out in the next couple of weeks here based on what, what kind of contract she signs or whether she's still with the Storm. I mean, my one of the things I considered going into the mock-off season is would it make sense to go with kind of a veteran, uh, yeah. a Lilani Mitchell, perhaps, who is from the, the Pacific Northwest, and then maybe draft a point guard and try to put something together that way if the, if the market for Jordan Cannon ended up higher than I was willing to pay. Because I, I tend to feel the same way as you, you know, you know, 2019, when she stepped into a starting, that starting role because of the fact that Sue Bird was out all season, looked like very much, okay, on track towards being that point guard of the mm -hmm. future that the story I've been looking for, like, I, I, they were looking for a backup, been looking for a backup point guard since, since I was working for the team, like the very early stages of when I was working for the team. It's been multiple decades of it at this point. Then there just hasn't been that necessarily develop, necessarily development Mm -hmm. from Jordan Canada, particularly as a jump shooter the last couple of years that I think would make you more comfortable projecting her as a, as a starter when Subert is out of the picture. And I going into last year, I was a little surprised that they didn't extend her because I, I felt like the organization really believed in her. And maybe that was a sign that they didn't believe in her as strongly as I thought they did. And I don't think that the way she played last year, mm -hmm. I think it kind of limited her value a little bit compared to even what we saw in a, as a part-time starter in 2020. Yeah, and I do. And the other, the other side of that though is, I think there's going to be a big market for her just because she has a she has a big name and she has a lot of talent. There's clearly a ton of talent when you're talking about Jordan Canada. Just maybe you have to structure your team in a in a slightly different way because she definitely is a very solid defender. She can be a part of a good offense. She's just not a jump shooter, 
And I think at this point we can completely say like, that's, that's just not going to be her game. Uh, may, I don't know, maybe some players out there, if you guys have examples of players who have, have made that sort of transformation into a shooter later in the career, I'd love to hear it because I just don't see that for her. That being said, I do think there is going to be a big market for her regardless of, of how well she played last year. I think if I had to pick one of these players to get priced out, it'd be Jordan Canada, despite Mercedes Russell being the player who got priced out of uh, Seattle's market in the mock all season. Yeah, it's an interesting question because it does feel like the teams that have more cap space are more in need of post players than right. they are in terms of guards. Like, you know, New York ended up making the big bid for Mercedes Russell. I think it was Atlanta was the other team in that, mm-hmm. that betting war in the, the mock off season. And like, you know, clearly they're, they're doing fine in the backcourt. It's, it's the front court where they need to add in some size. And Mercedes Russell has that, you know, ability to defend the Brittany Griners, Sylvia Fowles, Liz Cambages of the world that I think a lot of teams are going to covet. Uh, but all it takes is one team, and certainly there are examples of point guards who aren't shooters enjoying long, successful careers and being valued. I mean, oh, yeah. I think Danielle Robinson last year yeah. in free agency with Indiana is maybe the best example. Yeah, and Alicia Clarendon as well has been has yep. had a great career and not actually kind of in the vein of a uh, of a Jordan Canada. So definitely, I think she she's going to have a market. So I'd be surprised if she came back. Um, I don't know. I mean, Mercedes would depend totally on the Tina Charles situation. And we talked a lot about Tina Charles. I guess we, we should talk about why we think that's fit. Um, Tina, at the end of last year, she basically said, I, I need to get a ring before I retire. Totally fair motivation. I get it. It doesn't seem like DC is as hopeful to get a title this year uh, as they were in the past even two or three years, just because we saw IDD come back. She was injured. And then she went out for the rest of the season. We've seen the rest of the team, while they're really good and exciting, and I think they have a bright future, the present is not as bright. So that sends Tina Charles into the market. And I think the place, if she's looking for a title, would be Seattle with, these, with Sue, Stewie, and Jewel coming back. So in terms of fit, how does Tina Charles fit into what, Seattle is going to do on the court. I mean, I think it definitely would be an adjustment for her because right. we never saw her in that lineup that we imagined mm-hmm. two years ago when the Mystics first traded her of, oh, it's going to be Tina Charles with Elena Deladon and Emma Mieseman, and you're going to add her into this team that just won I, the championship the year before. I think they played like six minutes together or something. Well, her, her and Deladon played six oh, minutes right, but Obviously, Mieseman wasn't there the yeah, entire season. So, <laughs> so Tina Charles was the go-to player for the Mystics all season, had the ball in her hands a lot as she had in New York and in Connecticut mm-hmm. before that. That's going to be very different if you're playing with Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd, <laughs> where you're going to have to be you know, willing to be much more of a complimentary piece. And then I, I could see her anchoring offensively that second unit because as you sort of alluded to back when we were talking about the Storm's depth, when the big three were on the court last season is the storm took to referring to them because it was yeah. so much clear, so much more clear that they were the best three players on the team than it had been when Josh mm-hmm. Howard was there and, and Alicia Clark, they were very good when two of those players were off that court. Often it got a little dicey. And so you could definitely see Charles being the anchor of that second unit come in, run the offense through her much like Washington did last season 
And then when she's in there with Stewie and, and Jewel Lloyd, it's taking advantage of the fact that she can stretch the floor, you know, the three-point dimension that she showed last season in Washington. She can be a threat without the ball in her hands and still gives them that kind of physical post defender to handle some of the matchups that you'd prefer Stewie not to take on the defensive end that Mercedes Russell has been able to pick up last season. Yeah, and that, and I think what Tina did in D.C. last year is the biggest sign that that, that could work out because she played great defense last year. Um, okay, great might be a stretch. She played good defense last year. Um, I think she could totally fit into that role. As, as compared to New York, maybe she played defense last year. <laughs> She's, fair enough. She played defense last year. She, she certainly tried to get to, to round out the game on that end, including the shot, too. She brought, she brought the three-point shot, which – it wasn't always there, but at least the willingness to take threes was there. And I think that makes it more likely that she would fit into a, a role like the one that potentially is available in Seattle. Um, is there any other free agents? I know, obviously, we mentioned Angel McCautry and Paul Williams as players you landed in the mock free agency. Um, is there anyone else, including those two, that maybe Seattle should target? I would love to see them go after Rebecca Allen, but I'm not sure how much they need someone like that. Yeah, I mean, her and Stephanie Talbot are pretty similar yes. as as Ozzy's. Rebecca Allen brings a little more size mm-hmm. in that spot, but uh, you know, similar offensive roles in, in both quality perimeter defenders. Let's talk about McCautry a little bit. Okay. I so going into it, I the Charles thing wasn't really something I had considered. I assumed that she would just you know get the max somewhere else, and it was just kind of in the moment that like, well, yeah, it looks like we got a chance here. Let's yeah. go for this. Let's we'll figure it out later. And then to get McCautry too was pretty wild because McCautry was definitely my, like, that was my plan. Like, okay, let's bring as many people as possible as we can back and put Angel McCautry in that role I talked about earlier of anchoring the second unit offense, uh, given how well she played two years ago in Las Vegas, but before the ACL injury, hoping that she can get back to, if not that level, because, you know, she was probably a top five player in the league in the bubble, then at least, you know, uh, uh, a sixth woman type player for the storm would be hugely useful to add in that role. I mean, I think those are the, the main players you're looking at as far as veterans who are at the end of the career, their careers and might be prioritizing the chance to win a championship. Angel McCautry has lost in the finals four times, <laughs> twice to the storm. So you could see how that, that could be a fit. I mean, the, the wildest scenario would be if the Vegas decides not to core Liz Cambage, well, would, you, up, yeah. would you at least make, I mean, you got to at least make a call, right? I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't see the thing with Cambage is I, I don't think her, uh, her motivations don't necessarily match up with what Seattle selling. Right. Obviously I'm, I'm sure Liz wants to win a title. I'm just not sure Liz Cambage is the type of player who's going to say, I want to, I'm going to go somewhere to win a title. I think she's a player who says, I'm going to go somewhere and we will win a title. But that being said, you got to make the call. <laughs> you got to make the call because, I mean, I there would be a lot of things that would probably have to change with the offense and just, you know, what Seattle would do. But you give me, you give four players, you give Suber, Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart, and Liz Cambage, that's easily the, the championship favorite. And especially from that standpoint of when you look at what Mercedes Russell did at the defensive end mm-hmm. guarding bigger post players. Well, number one, if you sign Liz Cavage, there's one fewer of those post players you have to defend <laughs> on other teams. And number two, she's capable of matching up with them. So it's interesting from that standpoint. You know, Seattle also was not one of the markets that she supposedly okay. was interested in when she was traded from uh, Dallas a few years ago. So that they may not even be in the mix at that point. 
Uh, also, after she and Alison Gaylor parted ways, I'm not sure who you're calling at this point, but presumably they're <laughs> I'm guessing she does have an agent. We haven't heard who her new agent is, but I'm assuming there is one. And yeah, it is. It, I think the concept of actually taking her away from someone else would be great, but I don't know. It, it would be a tough sell um, just to get her to come because you do need to have some of those off-court things in place. And, and not that Seattle doesn't. Seattle is a great city. Obviously, you know this, but uh, it's not necessarily the things that she's was, she was looking for. However, LA is not really an option at the moment. So unless LA becomes an option and she's not cored, then it, it, it could come up, but I would say Tina and Angel would be interesting fits. I'm, I am also interested in a couple of just, I'd like really like the idea of Raquana Williams heading to Seattle or even Brianne January. Although I don't see, I would guess she's going back, but I'd say Raquana Williams um, would be an interesting fit in Seattle Maybe even the Sophie Cunningham, just to get some get just to get some more shooting on the wing, uh, especially if Stephanie Talbot is hurt a little bit, that could be someone that they could bring in. Um, you know, Bridget Carlton, although she I have her as an unrestricted free agent, she, that's wrong. Yeah, she sure. took the qualifying offer, yeah, she so she's qualifying. already under contract. Yeah, I just yeah. have her on this list. <laughs> Uh, Brian January is also fits into that Leilani Mitchell category of being yes. from the state of Washington veteran who might come in and, and want to play a backup role and just be reliable if you lose Jordan Canada. So yeah, yeah, she would fit that very much as well. Yeah. All right. So that's, I mean, that's all I got on the storm. Uh, I think it's going to, we're going to have a lot more information come tomorrow. Unfortunately, I record, we record these podcasts. On Thursday. <laughs> so if something happens tomorrow, that's crazy. I don't know. Drop it in the comments so that we know. Uh, anything else in the storm, though, that you want to mention? I mean, I guess the other thing that worked to my benefit in the mock-off season is they've got some flexibility with the unprotected contracts yeah. they have. I mean, I think they were you know, excited about Kiki Herbert Harrigan. They gave up a 2022 first-round pick to mm. get her as part of that four-team deal, I think it ended up, with <laughs> Natasha Howard. And we didn't see her basically at all. She was late to training camp and then you know, left the team to become a mother. So that was very mm -hmm. exciting for her. And, uh, you know, but again, we don't know where she's at. Kennedy Burke, they gave up last year's first round pick for, she didn't play a ton. I, I could see that one going either way. And then Epiphany Prince was really good for them off the mm -hmm. bench. As much as that bench struggled, it wasn't because of Epiphany Prince, but the fact that she's at a pretty high number at 115,000 is what allows you to maybe have more spending power with that in the market this year if you move on from her. And that was kind of the decision I made between her and Raquana Williams, uh, you know, especially having as much shot creation at that point with Tina Charles and Angel McCautry as I did, yeah. having Raquana Williams' defense became a lot more valuable than Prince's shot creation. Although her ability to be a third point guard also is something that matters. That was kind of a, a shortcoming of my roster that you probably would have had to address in the draft. Yeah, and Epiphany Prince is making, just to put a fine point on that, $115,000 next year. It's unprotected, so yep. they could get off it, but it, it is a, a much bigger sum than she'd probably get on the open market. I'm not sure if there, there could be a possibility that they have to waive her and then they could just bring her back um, if, there's that is not, possible, yeah. if there's not as much of a market and she can get slightly above the max. Um, actually, though, I do want to – I have one more question because we didn't talk about Katie Lou all that much. We didn't. And they're, the trade last offseason to bring in Katie Lou was controversial, to say the least. They traded the number one pick to Dallas uh, for Katie Lou. It doesn't seem like a huge problem because last year's draft is was historically weak uh, during the season. 
but there's a lot riding on Katie Lou, and I don't know if she's if she's shown enough for the team to believe in her as another um, future piece of this roster. Yeah, I mean, I think there was definitely a sense among a lot of people that Stephanie Talbot was the better wing yeah. option last season than Katie Lou, but you know, she Samuelson maintained that starting role most of the year, and she did, I think you know, become a more consistent player than she had been her first two seasons in the league. It was a better fit for her and her skill set with playing with more talent. And I, I wouldn't be stunned if, you know, if things go well in training camp, if she ends up getting extended, if, if there's kind of a, a workable figure, you know, where she's willing to accept that she's giving up some of the upside of what she could make if she got mm-hmm. to restricted free agency, but uh, the storm is paying, willing to, you know, give her the security of a few extra years here. And, uh, you know, she's, it uh, was obviously very excited to come play with Brianna Stewart. So, you know, I think that was a big factor in her comfort and her success. Yeah. And well, and, and we have seen a few players uh, extend to basically just avoid restricted free agency because um, restricted free agency is somewhat of a mess uh, in terms of having to get an offer and bringing it back and then having a match. So that'd be interesting. I didn't think about a, a possible extension for Katie Lou, but that seems like a possibility. So we'll see Seattle. Um, I think it's right to say that they are the team to watch. They're the team that is uh, the, the pace setter here for free agency. Once we get their core decision, we'll really have a good idea of what's happening. And like you mentioned to begin the podcast, if they core Jewel Lloyd, it it might be on <laughs> all of this all of the dominoes will be falling into place if they can cordial lloyd and feel like brand stewart's coming back on a longer term deal um i did want to move over to your other team in the mock free agency which didn't do as much because of their own roster construction the dallas wings uh you pulled off some interesting moves trading uh trading for christy tolliver and was that Cheyenne it? Parker? Cheyenne Parker. You also traded for Cheyenne Parker. Trade Charlie Collier for Cheyenne Parker, um, which are both really interesting moves. Do you think that this is the year that Dallas really consolidates their roster, or are we go we're kicking the can one more year? Because they can, they could kick it one more year. They can. I mean, but how many how many years are we on of like, oh, this has got to be the year that Dallas makes a consolidation <laughs> trade? Now, the fact that they don't have any cap space, I think, makes it a little different yeah. where if they want to change the mix at all, basically the only way for them to do it is either by, you know, waving some of those players and creating enough cap space to go out and sign someone, or as I did, you know, combining a couple of players indoor the, the two picks they have in this year's top six to, to go get uh, a better player basically. And yeah, I mean, I think that it uh, is as well as last season went for the wings in terms of finally getting back to the playoffs and seeing some results of this rebuild, I still think it's unlikely you want to just stick with basically the exact same group plus two first round picks. So I, I think we'll probably see some trade from them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we said the same thing last year and they again, kicked the game. And then the, in 2023, Mariah Jefferson and Isabel Harrison, uh, their contracts are up. So those two are off the books. However, you still have the extensions for Marina Mabry and Agrike Gubwale who probably are the two centerpieces. Well, obviously Enrique is. I would say Marina at this point has proven herself to be a part of this roster full term. So they're going to have to pay them. And it just kind of, it becomes a little hairy. And, and that Mo Jeff contract, the Isabel Harrison contract at the time didn't seem to be too hamstringing because they have all this youth and they're in the rebuild and yada, yada. Coming up next year, coming up this year in this free agency, it will be really limiting if this team wants to get 
uh, better. Um, so you, the trade you, you traded Isabel Harrison as well. Did you, what other trade offers did you hear from our mock GMs or were those the only, did you get any, any other good ones? I'm trying to think of some, what I was offered, if there was anything interesting, but the other offer I had out there was uh, swapping Kayla Thornton. And I forget what else I had in that trade to Washington for Alicia Clark. Oh. It seemed like if Washington wanted to create some more cap space to try to re-sign Tina Charles, mm-hmm. like I've always thought of Kayla Thornton as kind of the aspirational Alicia yes. Clark. Like that's, <laughs> that's really the, the, you know, there's a, there's an overlap on their skill set, but Alicia Clark has been the more efficient score and she's probably the slightly more versatile defender. So if you could make that swap, it feels like it could be a win-win for both teams. Although, you know, Washington ended up having other plans in the mock off season. Yeah, and I I don't think in real life Alicia Clark is is moving anywhere. Um, just because, that yeah, she, it, yeah, she chose DC obviously for a reason. And the reputational harm of, uh, we know you didn't play last year, but we're trading you now yep. for for you know something that's not uh you know full home run. I feel like would be would be too much for them to bear, and they, and I think Alicia Clark's an amazing player. Uh, and I really hope we see her in DC generally. <laughs> yes, I was going to say I was the world's biggest Leash Clark fan, which is why I made that offer. But I've got lots of competition on the internet at this point. Yeah, there's everyone on Twitter. We love, we all love Leash Clark. We're not trying to trade Leash Clark from <laughs> uh, from DC for the record. But Kayla Thorne too, though the thing with her is she is their most tradable contract because she's the best contract they've signed. Mm-hmm. That's not that's yep. not a, that's a non rookie deal. One oh seven. Okay, this year 109 next year for a player that is so you know hovering towards starter caliber i don't i don't see um this roster getting a better contract than that this offseason um is there anyone though i mean who who does this team like sell the bag for because oh the other thing hold on actually this is what i want to ask you so they picked up the uh, fourth year options for satu Sobley. Okay. That one's easy. And they also picked it up for Bell Allery and Ty Harris. I talked about this with Richard last week, but that really, really, really limits uh, their flexibility this offseason with those two. Do you think, do you agree with the decision to re-up on Harris and Allery? Speaking of someone where it happened between when I started my mock offseason planning, like I think I did my mock offseason planning on a Thursday. They announced that was on Friday, and then we recorded the podcast on Saturday. I was like, "Come on, what are you doing to me? I didn't. I wasn't on board with this. I wasn't consulted." Yeah, it's a very odd decision because you there's no urgency whatsoever. You don't have to do that until the end of training camp, and like Satu Sabali, huge part of your future. Totally understand if you just want to show, hey, we're committed to you, Satu, and we believe in you et cetera, et cetera. But for Allery and Harris, who are more on the fringes of the roster, it really limits their flexibility because even though their 2022 salaries are non-protected, you're not going to cut them knowing that all of a sudden that cap hit is just going to appear on the books mm-hmm. in 2023. It's, it'd be a very odd situation. So, you know, especially for a team that, I, I guess that increases the urgency maybe to make a consolidation trade, use the option of cut a couple of players, use the cap space, even though they did do that with Luis Gaisel-Soder. Oh, well. uh, that, that seems less appealing now that those players are not options. I've not tried to say Luis's last name, so <laughs> I appreciate it. We, we have to get her up on the website and we apologize. That she's not yeah, I, I know the umlauts are changing that to a softer O, but that's, that's a lot for me right now. No, I think, I think, you, I think we got pretty close, but it is, we, we need to get her up on the site. So Luisa, if you are listening, we will, um, we'll get, we need to call you and get your name up on the site so people can listen to it uh, on herhoopsats.com. 
$20 a year. Best stats you're ever going to use for women's basketball. Back to the Dallas Wings. So in the, in the consolidation trade, assuming you're not going to be able to trade Harris or Allery because they do have those, those bigger protected deals next year. I, I mean, the, your assets here are Charlie Collier, Awakuir, Chelsea Dungy, who you didn't really play last year, and Isabel Harrison. I don't think you're trading Alicia Gray. And then Mariah Jefferson, Kayla Thornton. So I know I listed a bunch of names there. Of those, who do you think is most attractive in a trade? I mean, I think Collier is the most interesting from the standpoint of someone else still believes in her, that she can be the player that we saw at Texas for, I guess, before the NCAA tournament. Uh, Then, you know, that that number one pick still, I think, has a lot of cachet. And so my original offer to Aaron is Atlanta's GM was uh, Harrison and I think number six for Cheyenne Parker. And my expectation was he would counter with Harrison and number four for Cheyenne Parker. And I was willing to do that. He came back to me with Harrison and Charlie Collier. And I eventually decided, yeah, that that seems reasonable given that, you know, she kind of she, she didn't, didn't definitely seem to be a favorite of the, the wings coaching staff over the course of last season. Yeah, no, I, I think I, and well, to be fair though, it seemed like none of the rookies were a favorite, you know, yeah. it seemed like they were just really up and down and I get it. I think Vicki Johnson was really feel it's a, it's a mess of a roster. Not that there's not a lot of talent here, but it is kind of a mess of a roster. Um, so I, I don't blame her, but yeah, I do. I definitely think that Collier would be out there. It's just the, uh, it depends on the GM, right? These are the situations that we on the outside can't really know what, what Greg Bibb is feeling about potentially trading a number one pick that he made, right? Because if I was in charge, it kind of looked bad if I <laughs> picked this person number one and then traded her the next season for somewhat of, of a muted return. I, I think that might be too much of a, a reputational cost. But I think it goes back to what we were talking about the Samuelson part of this yeah. trade is it seemed like, oh, they're giving up so much. They're giving up the number one pick. And then you see this draft in action. You're like, well, actually, I think I probably would rather have Katie Lou than, you know, other than Michaela Onyanwere, perhaps anyone that was drafted mm-hmm. in this year's draft. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still big on Awakir. I think she she had I, some I'm high real potential flashes. too. Yeah, I agree. I think she had some real flashes. I mean, again, she's I so young. Yeah, yeah. She's like, what? She's just turned 20, I think. I think she just turned 20. Um, so play, and, and that goes, and again, up and down the roster, plenty of really young, of young talent that could get to a point where it is, it, where this team is really, really good. We just haven't seen it yet, but we don't necessarily have to see it yet. I'm just wondering if this is the year we get a consolidation trade or if they just say, hey, we'll, we'll work on it next year. I think that might be where we're headed. I mean, you could have a heck of a competitive training camp if you add two first round decks <laughs> to the mix and just to figure it out. That's what every coach says they want. They want a competitive training camp. Well, guess what, Vicky? <laughs> year two, let's go. Year two of trying to figure out this roster. Um, so yeah, Dallas, kind of, kind of in the same spot they were last year. Uh, team, I do want to go move over to Las Vegas. Not a team you had in the uh, mock-off season, but you wrote about them and the rest of the Western Conference teams for ESPN.com alongside Michelle Vopel um, for what, it, what are we calling this? free agency primer yeah sure yeah it's reasonable all right uh so vegas is interesting because mainly because of liz campage um angel we talked about angel kotcher being a free agent we talked about raquan williams being a free agent 
Asia Wilson is a restricted free agent, fully expect her to come back. So now it becomes that decision of Liz Cambage and whether or not you core her. What if you were in charge? And I'm not entirely sure who's in charge in Vegas because Becky Hammond is the head coach slash GM, but Bill Lambert is well, the report. You know, I think that was Christina Williams who had the report yeah. that she was going to get the GM title. The press release never said she was getting the GM title. So I, I mean, I assume the reporting is correct, but it was interesting that that wasn't specifically in there. I, I thought it was really interesting too, but I also think it's because they still, they need yeah. Bill to be the GM yeah. right now. Cause Becky's, Becky's busy coach, coaching a team right now. <laughs> Becky's currently in the NBA coaching with the Spurs. Uh, so I think they kind of need Bill to be the GM. So I guess, event, I guess eventually there's a transition plan in place. Um, so I don't necessarily know who's in charge, but if it's Bill Lambeer, who is making decisions mostly on his own, I think we would probably assume that he's going to core Liz Cambage because that kind of goes along with his ethos of the team. And they did it last year is the other reason. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is interesting in the context of, you know, Liz Cambage's decision not to play in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Where Where is she at mentally right now? And, you know, does she feel ready sure. to come back and play in the 2022 season in the WNBA? There's a possibility that there's some things we might not know there on that part of it as well that could affect that decision. Because the other aspect of it is if you choose to core Cambage, you're probably you're probably going to have to choose between McCautry and Raquana Williams. Right. You probably can't resign both of them given the amount of remaining cap space at that point. And obviously, they played all last year without McCautry. It's not like they can't do it. They were still the you know number two seed and one of the the title favorites. But it definitely would be a loss to you know not not mm-hmm. be able to bring her back. No, it'd be it'd be huge. It'd be huge for them. And and I know Raquana was a massive player for them last year and a, and a huge part of their success. So I don't know. I mean, because in, in a normal, for a different team that perhaps isn't trying to win a title this year or perhaps uh, has more clarity on, on what the roster is going to look like, because guess what? Next year for this team, pretty much everyone's a free agent. At this point next year, the only player that will be on contract is Destiny Slocum. So it is going to be interesting to see how they how they manage this year with that eye towards next year of, potential reset in the form of whatever Becky Hammond wants but and and the cap crunch is going to be that much more severe next year you know presumably Asia Wilson takes a one-year deal gets the super max in 23 you'll have you know Dierka Hamby's probably gets a raise from what she's on she signed Mm -hmm. that contract well she was still rehabbing a knee injury so that extension so and then Jackie Young a huge raise from the last year of her rookie deal so you add that all up it's getting tight in a hurry no it's gonna get tight in a hurry and and I was, what I was getting at is it's hard to core Liz Cambage and with the idea of, oh, we'll core her and we'll trade her. Because if you core her and you're stuck with her, well, now you, you may have, you know, kneecapped yourself going into the, the following season just because you're not signing players that are going to be around. So now you're, you're heading into 2023 with a ton of uncertainty because, like you mentioned, Asia Wilson is probably taking a one year. It's really, it is super interesting that Asia did not sign a rookie extension because if the, if she signed the rookie extension, she could have got the super max this year. So I don't, I don't know what that means. Maybe she just didn't do it. Maybe she didn't want to talk about it then, but it does mean that this team is going to have to uh, sign her for one year and then give her a raise if she wants that super max. 
Yeah, I mean, which it'd be odd if she didn't, but I guess as, as you point out, she did forego it this year. No, it's 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 incredibly odd, um, but I don't know. Uh, they're, they're, she may just be keeping the powder dry to see what's out there come 2023 when everyone is a, is a free agent. Um, but here for for I'm a, I'm a, let's let's make a prediction. Do you think Liz Cambage is getting cored? My guess is no. Okay. I'm going no. I'm going no. I, I don't think I don't think she's going to I just don't see it because it's they don't I don't think the Aces want to handcuff Becky Hammond mainly. I think they want her to have sort of free reign of the roster after after this season. I mean, to me, it's like 40-60. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, if by the time you're listening to this, Liz Campage has already been cored and we're sounded like, you know, ridiculous for even discussing it. I understand, but I can also see the logic for not doing it. And that's why I put it towards the end of the podcast. Because now, I mean, a lot of people are, have already tuned out. So if Liz Campage got cored, congratulations to her. I hope that works out for, for Las Vegas. Um, all right, Kevin, uh, that's, that's all I got. Actually, I do want to ask you one last question. These three teams, Seattle, Dallas, and uh, and Las Vegas, rank them in terms of excitement for this free agency. I mean, I think that Seattle is number one in terms of there's still the downside of maybe you lose one of Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart. That is a realistic possibility. But uh, there, there's much more upside than there is for Vegas where you might have those defections and there's not really the scenario of, you build a super team and then Dallas is probably in the least exciting position because again, there's just not a whole lot for them to do in free agency. So we'll see what sort of trades are out there to be made. And maybe that's not until draft day. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going with you too. In Seattle, Vegas, Dallas, although Dallas again has, has a squirreliness potential. They could do literally anything. <laughs> there is unlimited potential for Dallas to make some crazy trades. Uh, all right, Kevin. Well, Hey, thanks for joining me on the her hoop stats podcast. We'll be back next week talking about uh, the Los Angeles Sparks and various other teams that will fit in here with Sabrina Merchant. So join us for that. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and listen to us on your podcast feed and following us on Twitter. Our Twitter names probably popped up right below us <laughs> and you can follow her hoop stats at her hoop stats and make sure you subscribe to our newsletter, her hoop stats at subset.com. Do you have any plugs? I forgot to ask you if I, if you have any plugs before we do it. Yeah, you mentioned the free agency primer. I also posted, I did my projections uh, using my wins above replacement yeah. player metric for the top 20 free agent free agents last week. Those I, I did before the uh, mock-off season for that purpose. And then uh, Michelle Vop and I, Vopel and I also tag-teamed on a, uh, uh, a round table, kind of making a little more predictions and talking about the most interesting teams as we did that uh, was up on Thursday. All right. So that all on ESPN.com. And I yep. do want to tell you that I'm going to screenshot Tina Charles being 14th on your top free, top 20 free agents, <laughs> top 20 WNBA free agents. I'm going to send it to her because uh, that will surely mean that she's going to win MVP next year. <laughs> that, that was that was something that uh, you as the agent were not privy to during the mock off season. <laughs> all right. So for Kevin, I'm Gabe. We'll see you guys next week. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.